Greetings, Greg. <laughs> so Amy's been sitting here silent for 60 seconds trying to figure out how to start, and that's what you came up with? I just wanted to try something different today, Greg. <laughs> you did. Uh, 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 greetings. This is the hashtag SDRS podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever the season happens to be. All right, Greg, let's start with a question from Michaela. All right. What is the Christian view of surrogacy? My sister has had years of infertility and a few failed IVF. They're considering surrogacy. It makes me feel uncomfortable as I don't know what God's stance would be. I'm already unsure on IVF as it is, but I don't struggle with infertility. Thoughts? Mm -hmm. Um, Actually, there's probably be um, ambitious to say there is a Christian view of it since this hasn't been a factor for ages where Christians have developed a point of view that seems consistent with Scripture. And uh, even since surrogacy has been a possibility, which has been probably 20 years, I don't know, it became more popular about 10 years ago as a way of uh, providing a child for a couple that is uh, is infertile for whatever reason, uh, is not able to have their own children. Um, the objections, in a certain sense, are going to be more philosophical. And I... This I learned from Scott Ray over at Talbot, philosopher there in ethics, um, and I, I think he's got an important point. Um, he is not in favor of surrogacy. And what surrogacy does, I, I, there's a number of different maybe liabilities or concerns. So this would be somewhat kind of a wisdom assessment, is um, that, that what surrogacy does is it takes something that's a vice and turns it into a virtue, okay? Think of it this think of it not this way as if this is a twist on it, but this is what it is. A woman gets pregnant for the purpose of giving her baby away. A woman gets pregnant for the purpose of giving her baby away. Now I'm choosing my words advisedly here because it even though um in vitro fertilization of some sort was involved, maybe it's not even her egg. To me, that's largely inconsequential. Um, The baby, she has been building and forming that baby based on someone else's genetic code and someone else's, um, I guess, zygote. So it's not like it's all hers in one sense. I understand that, but the, the... the disconnect is somewhat inconsequential. What she gets is a living human person that's at a cellular level and then implanted in her as if, from her perspective, that had been created by her husband and herself. And then that baby begins to grow there. She nurtures it, cares for it, bonds with it, provides for it. That baby gets used to the body of that baby's mother, functional mother, not genetic mother, but de facto mother in all other ways. And then after the baby is born, the mother severs that relationship with the child that she has created. Now, when I say created, of course, you can make the distinction and it would be accurate that, in fact, the human, she did not create the human, particularly if this is not her egg that was inseminated, 
But what she did is she she was the domicile, the place where that human grew and developed in a very intimate way. It's not even like adopting a little baby. You know, we have two daughters that were we adopted within 48 hours of their birth. But there is clearly, especially in one case, a, a kind of psychic connection to their birth moms. And I don't know any other way to put it. There's a deep um, bond? bond and connection there. And um, and others have noted this, too. Even people who are—children who are adopted early, who don't even know who their birth parents are, it is not unusual for them to feel like they're in an alien family, and they have this sense about it. I don't know how they do that. Just go figure, but it's, it's, a, it's a dynamic. And uh, I've even noticed it with my own children, all right? So— what you and I'm also aware because these are open adoptions. We knew the mothers and still do know the mothers, the birth mothers of our children, and know the cost that it was to them to to give up the child that they've carried all this time. And I honestly don't think it makes that much difference if they knew that the child that has been forming in their womb for nine months wasn't initially created in their womb, but was created in vitro and then immediately planted their womb. I, I think that in terms of the sense of attachment and motherhood, this is, uh, this is inconsequential. And so um, what is required then, and this is, you, this is another part of the problem, it's an economic problem, if you will, Maybe that's not the right word. But oftentimes when you have mothers who um, are are donors of babies, they don't want to give the baby up according to contractual agreement after the baby is born and because of that bonding. So the way Scott Ray puts it is you take something that is a virtue and that is um, being bonded and protective and desiring of your child that you have born and turns that into a vice because now that's getting in the way with you fulfilling your contractual agreement of why you carried the baby in the first place. And it turns a vice into a virtue. And the vice is that a mother can be dis- disregard her maternal attachment to her child and just deliver this child to someone else, okay? And uh, I can I understand the motivation. The motivation is to help out another couple. Couple, but look what you're doing. You have a natural, for lack of a better word, an institution or a a a, a feature of the natural world, which is motherhood, and you are turning the whole thing on its head. Um, you have noble motivations for doing it, but it's turning it on its head nonetheless. And think of a, a woman who gives birth to a child and does not want the child, severs all emotional attachment with the child, and gets rid of the child. I mean, there's been this has happened, of course, and there's been some movies that have traded on this notion. Do we think of this woman in a noble way because of what she's done? No, we think, gosh, there's something there's something wrong here. 
if your attitude is, get that thing away from me, go away, get it out of my life. Now, of course, the characterization there isn't isn't exactly what we see in surrogacy, but but it is, in fact, what's going on. I am carrying this child for nine months, and then I am severing my relationship with it and giving this child to the parent, willfully and purposefully giving it away. And in fact, I got pregnant through in vitro for the reason of giving this child away. To me, that's just obviously, um, I'm trying to think of the best way of putting it. The word that came to mind is twisted, (laughs) but it's not a nice way of putting it, but I can't think of another way of identifying it. Now, again, I, I understand the motivation. And even if there is a deep data satisfaction on behalf, on the, on the part of the, <clears throat> excuse me, surrogate mother in surrendering that child, which she has formed and created, formed, I should, and sustained, not created, formed and sustained in her room for nine months, even if she feels good about that, and that she's even maybe a little conflicted still, this is a great good she's doing to other people. The easier it is for her to do that, to me, the more problematic it becomes, because that's the baby she carried and formed in her womb for nine months. So that's the concern. You have this practical concern of turning things up. I should say you have this, I'm not sure, arguably moral concern of turning this relationship upside down. And then you have the practical concern of maintaining uh, contractual uh, agreements. Um, And it's also, on another level, it's baby selling. (laughs) Okay, you're going to give me money to produce a baby to sell to you. How is it not that? I, I I don't see how it could not be construed otherwise. Now, if some people, obviously some women cannot carry for whatever reason, which means then that they um, are, 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 again, I'm trying to think, look, it's unfortunate. And there are ways around that that are morally acceptable. I think in vitro is an example. If mom, if that person carries, but surrogacy, in my view, is is completely um, off the reservation for the reasons I mentioned. I think there are, are two problems here. One of them is the problem with surrogacy in itself, which you described uh, very well there, Greg. The second problem uh, concerns the consequences, the unintended consequences of the industry as a whole. Mm. And these are the same issues I have with IVF. Um, and so we might disagree on that. I, I am not for IVF either. And if you are interested um uh, We've written some on in vitro fertilization on our website, and Ellen and I did a podcast a few years ago after someone called in and said that they had 20, I think it was 25 Mm -hmm. embryos, and they didn't know what to do with them. Um, So check out that podcast. I'll just leave IVF aside for a second. But the farther you get from the natural order, the way that God set things up— the more unintended consequences you will have. And in this case, and you've touched on this, Greg, the, one of the biggest problems with supporting this industry, being part of this industry, is that you're commodifying human beings. Mm-hmm. 
So what you see out there, I mean, you you can look on social media. You can find posts from usually uh, a gay couple because they're not able to have their own children. So they'll say, well, we wanted this and this. We picked out all these these traits that we wanted, and then we we hired this woman who matched those traits to to give birth to our baby. So they're they're treating a baby as a commodity mm-hmm. that they build and choose rather than something that's received uh, a human being. <laughs> um, and so you also see all sorts of problems, like if they decide they don't want. I've seen somebody, and I can't remember what was wrong with the baby or if there was something wrong with the baby, but they ordered this the surrogate ordered <laughs> to kill the baby, and she didn't want to. And I think ultimately the law did force her to do it. Really, but it, it's it, there are all because sorts it wasn't of, her property; it was the property yeah. of the other couple that arranged for the surrogacy. Right, and I can't Amazing. remember what was the reason. It, it maybe the baby had Down syndrome. I can't remember what it was, but. Mm. But that's the thing. You you find something isn't quite what you ordered, and then you discard the human being. So this whole system is is uh, is building into this false view of human beings and this loss of human dignity, and it's training us to think of human beings in a certain way. And that's going to have all sorts of effects on mm-hmm. on all sorts of things in our society. And the lower that we think of human beings the worse human beings will be treated. Yeah. So even if you could overcome some of the problems of it in itself, if you are contributing to this whole system, you're contributing to a big problem. Now, it's not just the babies who are being commodified. Women are being commodified. People are paying women to use their wombs to create babies. So you have these baby farms basically in other countries where women in third world countries are are just acting as incubators for people in the West who don't want to have babies or can't or whatever it is, that they're they're ordering these babies and paying women to use their bodies. I mean, all of this, none of this is a good thing. Well, you use the word industry, and uh, that, I think, helps us to see actually what's going on here. Sometimes I've gone through the grocery store. You know, and I've joked with somebody because they're pushing a cart down the aisle and there's a cute little kid in there, right? I say, hey, which aisle did you get that one on? I want to go over there. That's a good one, you know. And, of course, it's just a joke and they're chuckling because I'm actually saying something nice over to baby. But uh, the, the this is actually the, – the reality, though, is the idea that you can go to a market uh, that is – represents an industry in which you could just – handpick, so to speak, your own baby. And then if it turns out, oh, wait a minute, this isn't what I wanted. It's amazing to me, I'm just going on your memory and what you said, that then this baby can be terminated. And the, the mother who carried the baby has no recourse to keep the baby because the baby doesn't belong to her, even though virtually every cell in that baby's body came from her and her support and her nurturing in the womb. Uh, it The sperm and the egg belong to somebody else. Therefore, they have ownership. They have ownership of that human being that allows them to, to um, eliminate the human being in virtue of the fact that that being is chattel property of the people who made the arrangement. And, of course, chattel property is this was the problem with slavery, ownership of a human being. But I don't know how you could 
it's you could you could cast it any differently. Um, all kinds of things could be said about the nobility of helping and caring and all that other stuff. It could be incredibly sanitized with appeals to good intentions and look at all the satisfaction and fulfillment that's going to be, come out of this. So the in that line of argument essentially is saying, look at the end that is accomplished or we think is going to be accomplished, we intend to be accomplished, therefore it justifies this means that we have put in place. And part of what you're I part of what I'm saying is the means the end doesn't justify this means. What you're saying is there are different ends to keep in mind, different consequences of these behaviors that a lot of people are not uh, considering. And, uh, and and boy, that was really great. I, and the other thing that I thought of, it's great what you said, Amy, and the other thing that I, I thought of there, what's reflected kind of in this mentality is that adults are owed a child if they want one. That's why you can have single women who are well-off actresses, for example, uh, who don't need a man, but they still want to adopt a child. You know, I'll, 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 I'll get a baby, you know, or I'll have a surrogacy or something, but I'm just for myself because I want to have a child. Uh, notice whose interests are center there. It's that woman's interests, not the child's interests, because what that woman is guaranteeing is that child will be bereft of a father, which that child needs. That's the natural order for a reason. And most ordinary folk can see that, you know. So this is often driven by this, not just a desire to have children, but this sense that I am owed a child, and therefore I can fulfill my right to have a child through some kind of other means than the ordinary way. And think about another thing that's behind this, another worldview idea, and that is what? where does our value come from? Is our value intrinsic because we're made in the image of God, or is our value instrumental such that we gain value by having certain characteristics or certain abilities. If it's the case that our value comes from being made in the image of God, then the idea that you would, you know, maybe even create a bunch of embryos and pick out the ones you like the best and and use the other ones for research because they don't meet your standards, they don't have that instrumental value that you're looking for. I mean, that's, that's the whole idea of the worldview behind the idea that you can just say, hey, we don't want that baby because of X, Y, or Z, so mm-hmm. therefore you can just kill it. Or you must kill it. Yeah, or yes, you're required to kill it because it its value is only in what it gives to us. That's right. And if it meets our standards. I mean, That's this right. is a very dangerous idea. And every time this happens, you're building that idea into our culture, and there will be consequences in many different areas, not only in this area. That's right. Well put. All right, Greg, we're out of time. One wow. question today. We yeah. haven't done that in a while, so I... An important issue, were, though, yeah. and a lot of particulars here. And I, I, What I like about us being able to talk about this together is to help people see, here's an issue that seems, in a certain sense, one-dimensional. Well, what's wrong with this? We're trying to help other people out. And uh, and they, they, this is what Thomas Sowell calls, uh, I think, level one thinking. You're just thinking about this immediate 
intention that you want to fulfill, and the intention seems noble, so that's all you have to worry about. But uh, what Thomas Sowell is, says is you have to think of the but the horizontal impact, the impact in other areas that this decision is going to have, and he's usually talking about a, cult, a cultural policy issue here, and the long-term consequences of it. If you just stick with level one thinking, you're going to make all kinds of you're going to you're going to do things with good intentions and create all kinds of uh, of uh, destruction as a result. And this is what we want to help our listeners to do, to be able to think beyond the immediate concern. What are the ramifications long-term and also the ramifications short-term, but in other areas of a decision like this? It's really hard to think that way when you are in a situation that is so painful and has so much grief. And, right. and this seems like it's a way to resolve it. And that has to be so tempting. Mm-hmm. And I, I, my heart goes out to people who are struggling with this, but I just urge you not to give in to that, to put the child ahead of yourself and to put children ahead of yourself and to not play into this whole industry that will ultimately harm children and all human beings, mm-hmm. I think. All right. Thank you, Michaela. If you have a question, you can send it to us on Twitter with the hashtag STRask, or you can go to our website at str.org. Just look for our hashtag STRask page, and you'll find a link there. You can send us your question. Just keep it to maybe two or three sentences at most, and we'll consider it for the show. Thanks for listening. This is Amy Hall and Greg Kokel for Stand to Reason.